Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello there and welcome back to episode 18 of Up My Hockey and today we are talking with Ryan Strom, number 16 of the New York Rangers. Ryan has previously played for teams like the Edmonton Oilers and the New York Islanders. He also had some time in the minors with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, but things got going for him after he was an eighth overall selection to the OHL draft coming out of the GTA to the Barry Colts. So we cover that first year with him where he ended up getting traded as a 16-year-old to, to Niagara, which rarely happens, but he played another three, three seasons with Niagara, three and a half seasons with Niagara. Uh, in his first full season there, he got drafted by the New York Islanders fifth overall. He had a great season. We cover that. Uh, and then we also cover his time getting into the AHL, getting into the NHL, the ups and downs of the NHL, his trade to Edmonton for Jordan Eberle, his subsequent trade after that for Ryan Spooner, and now where he is today with the New York Rangers celebrating the success that he has uh, as an individual and as well as a team, and how the journey for him has made him the player that he is today, and how the adversity has helped frame who he is, and how it really established him as a type of player that he has, the leadership he's able to provide and uh, I just love this guy's story. What a great guy to get on the phone. We spend, geez, I think almost an hour and a half here together to, uh, in this interview. Uh, this is just on the heels of him having his first child uh, four days ago. So for Ryan to take the time out of his day to talk about his career, to reminisce, to give some insight and some perspective on what it takes to be an NHL player, uh, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate his time and I'm super grateful. So without further ado, I can't wait to give you the interview with Ryan Strom. All right, here we are with Ryan Strom, episode 18 of Up My Hockey. Thanks so much for being here, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, first of all, massive congratulations. I had no idea that your wife was pregnant and uh, you have a little baby girl named Harper that's four days old in the house. So, geez. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an eventful four days. It's, uh, my life's gone in a complete 180 from what I was doing, playing video games in quarantine to uh, now changing diapers and staying up all night. So it's, uh, it's been fun, though. It's, uh, it's a great life uh, experience and um, just, just the beginning. So it's, uh, it's quite fun. Sure. Is she your first? First one, yep. So uh, there's a, it's a whole new world we're experiencing right now. But uh, honestly, it's uh, something I've looked forward to for a long time. Just growing up with a big family, it's uh, you know it, this is a dream come true for me. Yeah, good for you. And I uh, I had kids. I have three boys, uh, which you can relate to. I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, I had kids after I was done playing hockey, so I never experienced actually you know having to do that or being on the road or missing the kids while you're gone and, and all that stuff that you're going to experience now. So you're kind of doing it right in your middle of your career. So you'll be able to experience both. Do you, do you anticipate a different bedroom once the season starts again? Or how do you think that's going to work? Honestly, I have to give so much credit to my wife. I know we're just four or five days in, but I know during the season, she's just going to be so dialed in. She, uh, she knows how tough it is. She knows how the schedule is just so crazy. And she takes care of me and she, uh, she's honestly the rock of our household without her. It, 
even with, when it was just us two and our dog, it, without her, it'd be, it'd be nothing. So uh, I got full faith in her. So we'll see how it goes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, my parents were young when they had me and I always wanted to be a young father. So uh, 26 years old. And uh, honestly, it's, it's really exciting. And It'll be a, it'll be an interesting challenge going to next year, but uh, something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, no, good for you. I know with me, uh, it might have been interesting to have that because sometimes the game can sort of, you know, you you can get on a little different path sometimes, and having that family and that reason to come home and that reason to, you know, to stay true can really keep you focused. So I hope that I hope that helps with everything. I know you're really dialed in, anyways, but uh, the baby, <laughs> the baby will definitely do that as well. Um, yep. Well, let's get started. I totally want to get back into. Uh, kind of where it all started that's that's sort of what up my hockey's about is about the journey uh which, which we talked about a little bit and and that journey means you have to play minor hockey at some point you know and uh and you were the oldest of the three so you were the kind of the the pioneer in your family you're the one who's going through it your parents didn't really know too much about it I assume and uh and here you are in in the GTA which is you know but by, by all accounts you know especially in Canada recognizes this kind of holy grail of hockey and uh what, what was your experience like there growing up were you always a star were you uh, were you kind of an up-and-comer at some points or what did that look like for you um it was well first of all playing in the GTA there's just so many opportunities I think that's the one thing I mean there's such great hockey programs all over the country and all over North America but uh, and the world for that matter but just in Toronto I mean there's 12 teams in the league I played in and we started seven years old and then there's double A, single A all the way down. So just so much opportunity, so many rinks, so much to do. So, um, yeah, you know what, growing up, I was always one of the better players for sure. I think, um, I remember when I was five years old, I made the, uh, uh, the age six, the all-star team. And that rarely happens for an underager. And, um, my dad kind of just followed the process, put me in the, the local programs, whatever. And, um, he had been a hockey player himself, but nothing, you know, too crazy. And, um, when I made that first team at five, I remember him kind of, he kind of told me that he thought there was something maybe going on. And then six years old, it continued and then started playing underage a little bit. And as I progressed in the GTHL, I ended up playing for the Toronto Marlies for uh, seven years. I, uh, I was really blessed to play with a coach, uh, Ken Strong, who played in the NHL for a handful of games. And, um, just to have a guy like him, I think, um, someone that had been there, I think it was a lot, of, a lot easier for me to you know, listen to a coach and rather than my dad all the time, just because someone that had been through the whole process and had made it. Um, and I stayed with the same team, which is rare. I think uh, nowadays there's so many kids every year, you see them switching teams, there's trades, there's t- kids in October already have a new team for next year. So it's kind of crazy, but um, I was blessed to play with the same team for seven years. And uh, I was the captain for a few of those years and uh, we won everything. We, uh, we won seven league titles, seven playoff titles. We won all three of our, uh, our Ontario championships and we capped it off with the OHL cup before I got drafted to the OHL. So oh, wow. um, it was a good, it was a good run. And if you look at some of the names, I think there's like eight or nine guys that are played with that are playing in the, or have played in the NHL at least a game. So um, we were, we were really lucky and uh, it was quite the minor hockey dynasty. And the, honestly, those memories and just looking at the jerseys and the pictures and the tournaments, I have so many plaques and trophies. And that's honestly, uh, I wish I could go back and do it all over again. and could remember it because it's honestly probably the, the best days of our hockey lives. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I mean, you touch on a few things there that I want to touch on, but it's, I mean, you're so right. I was at 13. Uh, I'm from a town, Vernon. I don't know if you know where Vernon is, but uh, there's like 30,000 people, you know, and we had a peewee team that was AAA at the time. And uh, I was the second year and kind of the guy on that team. And, but we also had Matt, Matt Higgins and Brad Larson, who went on to go, both play in the NHL. And we ended up winning the provincial championship that year, which was as far as we could go. So we were the best team in the province. And 
you know, I, I won world junior gold and did some things in the NHL, but that's still like that moment at 13 yeah. years old is like totally something that I remember. So I, I can mm -hmm. really relate to what you're saying there. Like those are good times. I mean, you're with your buddies, you're doing it for the love of the sport. And uh, when you can experience any type of success like that, it really sticks with you. Um, when you were saying five, so I mean, that's, that's like such a hot topic right now. And I know the GTA is crazy with that. Like you're trying out for an all-star team, mm -hmm. uh, area all-star team with six-year-olds at five. Like that's kind of becoming the new norm. Like, is, is that sort of what you think, would, would you have your son or, son or daughter doing that? Like, do you think that, that's, that's the route or, or what? Um, it's, it's so tough. I have this debate with my dad all the time. I have a cousin now that's in minor peewee, so I go and watch his tournaments and stuff when I'm able to. And I, I always look around at the rink, I'm going, this seems like just crazy to me. Like, just the drama and the politics, it's, it's kind of, you know, how it is, right? But uh, my dad says it's always been the same, more or less. I mean, now with the social media and, you know, maybe it's a little bit more and stuff like that. And, but I mean, I remember back in the day when I was growing up, there was like the online chat rooms and the parents can go in there and be anonymous and, you know, stir up a bunch of drama. So it's kind of <laughs> always been the same. Right. But, uh, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me though was, I mean, I, I name all the hockey things, but I play lacrosse in the summer. And, um, as soon as hockey was done, the last tournament, my dad literally took our equipment and that was it. So it was up in the garage in the rafters and it was all lacrosse. So we were, uh, we were a really big two-sport family. My brothers actually played for both. Uh, I, I didn't make it. I got cut from Team Ontario. But they they made Team Ontario and won the Canadian National Championships, both of them. So we were pretty big into it. And, um, you know, that was what we did. So I, it's so hard to look at the parents now. And I, I go to the rink now as an NHLer, and I train in the summer or whatever, and I see these kids there nonstop. And that's just not how I was brought up. So it's, it's really hard to compare, right. you know, then to now. But I know it's so competitive now. And, um, everyone's looking for that edge and it, it's kind of just seems like the trend that's kind of how it's gone yeah I know it's uh I guess for better or for worse right I mean I do think that there's an aspect of that where you're you're losing that the multi-sport athlete which I think there's a benefit at the end of the day you know I mean I don't know how they can track that or or analyze that even when it comes to injuries or whatever but I mean it is nice to put that gear away and go play something else and be exposed to something else and uh yeah. and the longer that you can do that I also think the better is something that I promote I mean there's going to be a time where you have to pick uh, I, I think sure. we all realize that but um you know hopefully that's a little farther down the line than seven or eight which some of these families feel is is the need now um it's also tough though when you have a really really passionate kid that just wants to play hockey yeah. right I mean that's the thing yeah. that you can't really uh judge from the outside looking in but you you mentioned something earlier about your dad and, and then being fortunate enough to play with a guy or for a guy that that had some experience was in the NHL I think all dads um kind of go through that scenario and just with I mean I think Wayne Gretzky would probably go through that scenario you know I mean like mm -hmm. you're a, you're still a dad at the end of the day and, and at yeah. some point your kid doesn't really want to hear what you have to say uh yeah. and it, it's nice to come from somebody else can you can you maybe talk about that a little bit more yeah I mean even to this day I, I trust my dad's opinion of the way I play more than anyone I think um he's just seen me play so many hockey games I think uh um, he's got such a good evaluation of the game. I mean, he never played juniors or pros, but honestly, if you put him in a room with a bunch of coaches, I guarantee you they would have the same uh, thoughts after a game. I think he sees it from a really logical perspective. He's very honest. He was always really hard on us growing up, I think. Um, never in the sense of results. It was always work ethic. And I think even to this day, he's like, you know, when you have a bad game or whatever, you're not scoring. It's honestly, that's not ever what he cares about. And I think that's what's made me and my brothers, you know, kind of keep going in the right direction because, um, he's got such a great uh, unbiased opinion so um, he might have a biased opinion when he's watching the game with my, my, my mom but uh, when he talks to us he's very uh, very politically correct so um, yeah it was great I think 
it's so hard to hear from the same person the whole time. I think if you're able to have, I had my grandfather who came to a ton of games and um, great coaches. So um, I still trust my dad's opinion. I always wanted to make him proud and it's still the same. I mean, after the game, he's the first person I, I hear from on my phone and um, before the game, he sends the last message. But um, I think, you know, it's important that um, he's always understood that the coach is in charge. And um, there's been times even this year where, um, you know, I have a meeting the next day with the coach or I'm in trouble and I got to go talk to him. And, you know, he always, he always wants me to go, you know, get mad and fight the coach. But he always says, he goes, the coach is in charge. And, you know, you got to listen to him. And uh, he's the boss. And, you know, he's, you know, he's the one that's making the decision. So you just got to kind of play along. And um, I, I'm thankful for that because there's been so many times in my career where I probably wanted to, you know, go in there and storm in there and, and get all upset. But, you know, he's kind of a voice of reason always. And he's always been like that. Wow, that's amazing advice. That's, I mean, and really wise too. Because like, as you said, you I mean, the coach butters your bread at the end of the day, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have a good relationship with him. And for, and even for, for parents, it's a good message for parents because how much have you heard when, you know, little Johnny doesn't get on the power play or something happens and like the first phone call or mm-hmm. somebody screaming in the stands, I mean, that's not doing your kid any favors at all, right? No. I mean, the no. message has to be, like you say, work hard, do what you can on the ice and uh, and try and do the best you can to appease that coach. And and let the chips fall where they may. I think that's really brilliant from your dad. Let's get into the brothers. I mean, I love this thing because I have three three boys of my own, a little bit closer together than you guys. You guys, uh, uh, I think it's four years between you and Dylan, correct? And yeah. then Matthew's yeah. younger than Dylan. Yeah. Uh, my boys are 40 months apart, but I get to watch them every day and like how they push each other and how they interact yeah. and I mean, they got this own little tournament kind of on a daily basis and not necessarily just hockey, but just in life. Can you maybe describe that growing up, what it was like to, to be the older brother of, of, a, of a hockey family? Yeah, I, I think what you said earlier, paving the way or whatever you said is definitely the truth. I think uh, it's funny enough, my brother Dylan actually up until the OHL played on every single of the exact same teams that I did the way up. Like he played underage on the same team, then he went to the Marlies and he played in the same minor hockey things. And, he followed my literally exact career path. So um, I think that was, you know, obviously one of the things that helped, but the day-to-day competitiveness, I'm sure what you see with your boys, like that's invaluable. I think, um, you know, there's been so many times where you see, especially for me, my parents are a very, you know, blue collar, hardworking family. We didn't have like too, too much growing up. We, we had to work hard for what they had and they gave us every opportunity, but you know, you see in the, the kids that they had one, one boy in hockey and they, you know, gave them everything. And we were kind of, a family of three boys that had to fight and claw and, um, you know, grandpa had to help with equipment and stuff like that. So it wasn't easy. And I think, you know, all those life experiences and, you know, having to get better playing against each other in the driveway. I mean, a lot of the times I was older, so it was me versus both of them to, to kind of, you know, make it fair. And um, I think that competitiveness and that, you know, that will to succeed and that will to want to do well, all stems from your household. And um, I, even to this day, we go to the golf course, we played yesterday with my brothers and my dad and, it's honestly, it's crazy out there. We're so competitive. Uh, we're supportive, but competitive. You want to beat everyone. And I was in the cart with my youngest brother and he told me it was two holes left that we were tied going in the last two holes. And I'm like, all right. And you could tell every after that, no one said anything to each other after the <laughs> shots. And it never changes. Right. So, um, you know, that's something that uh, is invaluable. And I know coming from a family of three boys, I think uh, was definitely huge for me and for us. And, um, you know, my parents have the home footage of us going crazy and fighting and playing road hockey street you know all that stuff and uh you know th- that's just one thing that you can't you can't teach it's from within and from a family and i think we were really lucky we had that oh that's amazing and, and with you being the elder statesman there in the group you mean you essentially do you feel like you have the c on your jersey when it when it comes to 
your little brothers, do, do they look up to you in that, in that sense? Do you feel like you, you, you know, you're the guy that gives some, some support and some, some advice here and there? Um, I think so. I think we have a, we have so many, we have like a, a brother's group chat and a family group chat. I think you know, honestly, most of our stuff goes through there. I think uh, we kind of want everything out in the open. There's not really anything we can't tell each other. And um, if someone's going through something, I mean, obviously there's times you're going to reach out personally, but we kind of keep everything in the open. But I just think for me, you know, I think I can, you know, you say the C on the Jersey, maybe more so just because I remember being in the OHL, my brothers were, you know, 13, like 11 or something like that. And they're sitting in the crowd. I remember, when I got married this summer, my, they were both my best men and they were doing a speech. And one of them said, I remember coming to the games. I wanted to go early because I wanted to watch what you did in warmups in, in the OHL. And, you know, just thinking about a comment like that is just, it's so crazy how, you know, how much they can learn from you. And um, it's honestly one of the most humbling things ever to watch them grow up and do their thing now and play pro hockey. And, uh, you know, we're really lucky to have the family we do. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. And, <laughs> And, and, and good for you to point that out. I mean, I, I, I talk about that quite a bit, that there's always somebody watching, right? I mean, whether you're, whether you're a Bantam kid playing on the AAA team and the Pee Wee guy's there to watch you or, or whatever, or whether you have a little brother, or, I mean, there's, there's somebody looking, right? And you always have a chance to make a good impression. Sometimes we don't realize that growing up when we're younger, but you know, I mean, having those guys in your house to watch that and, uh, is, is super cool. But let's talk about that for a second. Like three guys. So, I mean, you went fifth overall, Dylan went third, um, and then, and then Matthew was a fifth rounder. I don't think Matthew's had any NHL games yet, correct? No, no. Okay, yeah. So Matthew hasn't, 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 hasn't broke in yet. But I mean, so here you, Ryan and Dylan, are, are playing the NHL, one of the hardest leagues in the world to play in. Like, how does, how does a family do this? Like, what's the, what's the secret sauce, do you know? <laughs> I honestly have no idea. Like, it, it's honestly, sometimes I have to pinch myself and, and look back and, um, I even, we, we have a family dinner every Sunday at my mom's house. And sometimes we just sit there and, you know, we do a hot stove just like this, kind of just going back through the minor hockey memories and all the funny, funny jokes and the pictures and everything. And, um, you know, we're all under, well, I'm 26, I'm the oldest, but you know, we're all young guys and we're just, you know, we're living our dream. We're, we're earning a living based doing what we've always wanted to do. And, um, that's really special. I don't think you know, that's kind of the broad picture of it, but um, not a lot of people can say that. And I think that's what makes us the most happy. We just, we do what we love to do. We get to come home in the summer and we work out, we work hard, we do what we have to do. And then we go play golf with each other and we just hang out, you know, and we have a great life and we're really lucky. And, um, I don't know what the secret sauce is. I mean, my mom and dad both probably want to take individual credit for everything, but, uh, you know, it honestly takes everyone. I mean, you could, you could say my mom, just the meals. I mean, we all like different food. I remember her waking up at five in the morning. The one summer I had to gain weight and she was had a breakfast in bed. Then I had another breakfast at eight o'clock. And, you know, my dad going to work from six to four, then coming home just to take us to hockey. And he's an electrician and works hard and he's tired. And my grandparents lived around the corner and my grandma, my other grandma lived in our house. It took everyone. I mean, it's honestly, it's a huge family effort to put three boys through hockey and um, any chance we have to repay them in any way, we always make sure we do it because, um, now that I'm a you know a grown man, I'm trying to pay my own bills and get on with this thing in life. It, I know how hard it is. I can't even imagine what they went through. And um, so I guess, like I said, it, it honestly takes everyone: aunts, uncles, grandparents, everyone. It's a it's a group effort, as you as I'm sure you know. Oh, that's awesome! <clears throat> and it really sounds like you guys are like still really like a rock foundation of of support. There, you guys are still mm -hmm. together. You're still close. Um, and doing it for the right reasons, it sounds like just the way you're, you know, the, the things you're mentioning about and how what your dad was 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 talking about and uh, and his approach to the game. And I mean, that that seeps into you, right? It's impossible yeah. not to, you know, 
I talk about the C on your chest. You mean as a father and as a mother, they have the C on their chest too. And you're looking up to them growing up and what are they all yeah. about? And what am I learning mm -hmm. from them? So I think that that unit is super important. And that's, I mean, it's just amazing when, when something like that comes together at the perfect storm of, uh, yeah. you know, of athletics and, and, and of good family values. And all of a sudden you guys are doing what you love to do. And it's, it's super great to see. Um, let's get into junior a little bit. So you, you're, uh, I think you were eighth overall in the draft. Uh, yep. For the OHL draft I'm talking about, you, you go to Barry, if I'm correct, right? Yep. And then as a 16-year-old, you get traded in a big, big yeah. deal, like, yeah. um, which kind of, you know, I mean, then obviously we'll get into the trades in the NHL, but I mean, that's a very rare thing. I mean, at that, at that age, to be that high of a mm -hmm. pick, to be a young guy in your first year in the O, and then all of a sudden you're getting dealt. Can you walk us through what that was like for you in that first experience? Yeah, it was crazy. I think uh, getting drafted to the OHL, it's like you go from this comfort of your own home to parents driving you to the games. All of a sudden, you're getting drafted and you're moving to a city and you're driving yourself to the games. Or you're getting a teammate to drive you. Like it, and you're playing in an atmosphere that, with you know thousands of people watching you, it's like it's complete 180. I, I always say that going from minor hockey to the OHL, I think is the hardest year of of, of hockey. I think you go from playing with kids your own age for almost your whole life, then you're playing against guys that are you know, men that are NHL draft picks and they're, you know, they're there to, you know, try to take your spot. Right. So that's a huge adjustment and uh, getting traded. I, I honestly think I'm the highest OHL pick to get traded in their first year. I mean, I haven't seen anybody get traded. It's so rare to happen, but the team I was on was a championship team uh, in Barry and uh, they traded for Alex Petrangelo and he got sent back after uh, nine games in the world juniors. So he was like a, just a, everyone was talking about him around world junior time. Right. And, so he gets sent back. I knew there was trade rumors and whatever, and I wasn't playing too much. I was mostly on the fourth line, which was frustrating because I'd played, you know, I'd been the star my whole life, right? So um, when the trade eventually happened, I knew there was a bunch of rumors. I got traded to Niagara, and um, I went into a new situation, and I literally was on, like, the first or second line, my first game, and I scored, and I played, like, probably, like, 18, 19 minutes. I'm going, like, this is what hockey, like, this is what I remember. Like, it was, honestly, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, I never would ask for a trade. I mean, um, it goes back to the minor hockey. Even when I wasn't playing in Barry, my dad, I remember in minor hockey, there was teams, guys getting full rides to play on this team and they were getting a captain and they were on the power play. Like my, my dad never switched teams. We, we played every third shift, the power play with rolled lines. We never, he never really believed in getting extra, you know, more than anyone else. So I think that that lesson going into the OHL really helped me because it was tough for me. I see guys that were drafted around me playing way more and getting way more points than me and stuff like that. It was tough. And, um, but when I got to Niagara, it was honestly night and day. And um, Niagara to me is the most special place in the world where I grew up and where everything kind of happened for me. And um, you know, the rest is kind of history in the OHL. It was, uh, it was the, it was probably the best four years of my life hockey wise. It was uh, so many great memories and relationships I built in that time. Yeah, that's amazing. I say the same thing about Spokane. Like I was in, I was in Spokane for four years and uh I had an experience to trade at that point and I, I got traded and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on as a pro, but I mean, it just sort of, I just, it, it, it was home, right? It was family. It was, it was your team. Right. And it was, uh, it was really cool to be a part of uh, a WHL team for four years. So I can hear what you're saying there. How, how was that first year? Like, so you're saying now been a star your whole life, right? You're, you're playing in this league that's now, you know, it, it's, it's a league to make money. They're putting fans in the yeah. stands, you know, it's a league that you've watched your, your, your whole career growing up. Right. And now you're there around these guys, but now you're a fourth liner and now you have to deal with that and, and how to, the approach to go into practice. Do you remember that at 16 years old or what was the message from your dad or the coach or even to yourself to like, to try and get through that? Yeah. My dad was huge for that because I mean, he, 
he lives and he lives and dies with every every game, every moment, just like we do, right? So he was good, just kind of calming me down all the time and you know, keeping keeping the right mindset ahead of my shoulders. And um, it was funny, I because I went into training camp there and I don't know what to expect. I'm pretty naive. I'm a first round pick and the preseason. There's a bunch of guys at NHL camps. I remember I had a really really good preseason. Like I was putting up, you know, a point a game or whatever it was or more than that. I was playing so much and then all of a sudden see the guys trickle back from the NHL camps and your name kind of slips down the lineup more and more and more. And you're going like, Holy Christ, like what have I kind of got myself into here? Right. So um, it was tough. I remember one moment, this is, I've never really told anyone this, but uh, you know, when before practice, they did a power play practice and they wrote the guys that were numbers are on it. And I remember going in, I always kind of, you always kind of look when you go into the rink, right. Where your line is, where yeah. your number is in the lineup card. And it's the same thing now. And I remember my, my number was on it. So I got all ready. I was on the bench and I, I honestly think someone made a mistake and the coach came by and he said something like, uh, like your, your turn will come like not, like not yet or something like that, or not, not a bad comment, a snarky comment. He was honestly being, he was like, your time will come. Like, like, like just keep waiting and you'll, you'll come. And um, I remember sitting there in that moment, I was thinking like, like I can play with these guys. Like I'm better than these guys. Like I just got to wait for my opportunity. And um, funny enough, the coach that was uh, my coach there ended up, coming to Niagara the next year when I got traded, he, they, they part ways in Barry that he signed with Niagara. And um, it kind of worked out really good, even though we didn't have a great relationship in Barry um, when, you know, his second year things change and, you know, I developed as a player, but I remember all these defining moments and uh, in practice competing against, we had a team that year in Barry that was just so many, we're basically an AHL team. We were so power, such a powerhouse. And um, just to compete with them in practice, I mean, it was so hard looking at the, rookie scores in the OHL that year, seeing all the guys that drafted me scoring more than me. But um, I kind of just kept my head down and kept with the process. And, um, it, you know, it all the next year I was third in the league in scoring. So it's amazing how things change. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. I mean, I, I think your one comment there, I have to comment on that because there's a lot of talk that I get a lot of questions about. Is it better to be somewhere where you're the guy, right? Where you're the guy and you're getting a lot of minutes, or is it better to be at a higher level and maybe play less, but, you know, practice and be around that environment? You know, I guess you kind of experienced both sides of that. You I mean, you were on, you're on a fourth line on, on a really powerhouse team, and then you got traded yeah. Niagara and where the guy getting the minutes. Do you see value in both or, or what would be your stance on that? Honestly, I, I think I'm really lucky the way it worked out because I feel like I learned from all these amazing guys that end up having NHL and pro careers all over the all over the world, and then and then halfway through the year, I got to slowly transition to a rebuilding team with a lot of young guys and kind of play. So um, it, it's tough to say because there's great OHL players that step into a great situation their first year and they light it up. And you know, I, I can remember guys, you know, Sean Monahan, a ton of guys that I played against that went right in they played a ton and then they you know they're in the NHL two years later but then there's also so many guys that go in there and they play a ton and then they don't really develop too much I can the two first overall picks from um the couple years around me didn't really have insanely great NHL careers and um they kind of had all the opportunity early on and I kind of remember watching these guys and I wanted to play and um so it's tough to say I think it, it's so hard to look at it in the moment that's the one thing I realized even in the OHL and the NHL it's so hard to to process, you know, and look at the big picture, but it's honestly the most important thing. If you truly believe you're doing the right things and you continue to get better, that's what's important because as you know, there's guys that are undrafted in the OHL and the NHL that end up being hall of famers. I mean, everyone has a completely different path. Yeah. Um, it's not always the first guy to, uh, you know, to get all the accolades that's going to have the long career at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Be patient with the process is one thing that, uh, you know, we're, we're not patient as players. We're not patient as parents. We're not no. patient, right? We want it to happen now or yesterday. 
Um, it's the hardest thing. I still go through it today. It's, it's so challenging to do that. Yeah, it's a totally a mindset thing. But there is, like you said, there. I think there's opportunity in every in every scenario, right? The 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 the, the, the gift is to be able to see it. You know, to be able to be present enough in the moment to see it. And maybe it's not what you want in six months from now, but what you have right now, there's an opportunity there. And if you can find it, um, you're doing yourself a favor. You mean you already mentioned it. So you go from 27 points in 61 games as a 16-year-old to 106 in 65 your draft year. Absolutely mm -hmm. light it up. Like, um, and then up going fifth overall in the draft. Like, how, like, how amazing was that year for you? Was it kind of what you envisioned or was it more than you envisioned or, or how, how'd it go? Honestly, like, I feel like I was never bothered by my first year. Um, I remember that summer, though, I didn't even make the top 40 for the under-18 camp for Team Canada. I remember seeing all these other guys, and I, I, I remember my dad telling me, he goes, he goes, so what? Maybe you go to the top 40 camp. Maybe you make it. Maybe you don't. You get, you get six more weeks than those guys in the summer to train. And I remember I gained, like, 20 pounds that summer, and I'm by no means a physical specimen even to this day. But I remember I just kind of put my head down and worked, and, um, it didn't bother me. It, like, it, I don't know why. I just feel like I was always, I was in such a zone to get where I wanted to be. I knew what I wanted so bad that um, it didn't really affect me that much. I mean, maybe it was motivating me more than anything, but um, that next year I came in, I remember in the preseason, I had a hat trick, maybe one of my first games in the preseason and had a five point game and then things got rolling. And then the first game of the regular season, I think I scored a few. And then when you get up to a good start like that, it seems like anything's possible. And um yeah, it just it was it was a magical year. We had a good team. I was in a good situation. Um, the coach put me on the power play. I got to play with good players, and um, I think the rest just kind of took off. And um, you know that one year sort of blip, I think, was more of a springboard than anything. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. Do you uh, obviously you must have handled whatever pressure was involved in that, and then there is pressure. I mean, you're the top guy in your team, and you know you have to perform there. But then you also have your own personal um wishes wants desires and uh, with a big dollar sign around it too let's not forget right mm -hmm. i mean where you go yeah. in the draft matters you know so how, mm -hmm. how was that with your with your family with you how did you how did you keep that all in perspective i feel like it was all just excitement um the way my parents raised me in our upbringing was uh i don't want to say immodest but we, we were so down to earth and i think we still are today that i think none of that ever worried my parents i don't think even to this day, I don't think my parents worry about me doing anything totally insane or going off the rails or anything like that. So I feel like it was all just motivation and excitement. I think we'd always knew where we wanted to get to as a family or where they wanted me to get to and they wanted me to achieve my goals. And um, I think one of the biggest things that helped me that year, though, was Dougie Hamilton was on my team and he was ended up going ninth overall. And um, We kind of were in it together. It felt like I feel like you know, all the scouts at the games that were there to see kind of him at the beginning kind of turned into see both of us and then. Um, I think having a guy that um, was going through the whole process, you know, that year together really helped me and um, just take some of the pressure off. There's so much thrown at kids now. Like even to this day, I, I say like, just enjoy your summers because once you get drafted to the NHL, it's world junior camp. It's, it's development camp. There's prospect tournaments. There's, there's the combine your draft year. Like you're literally like three, four years of nonstop hockey. So um, I think just having someone to go through with and, have the comfort level with guys. It, it was, I think that really helped. And, and not to mention having the family on top of that, always kind of being there every step of the way was huge too. Yeah, man. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I totally get it. I mean, draft year is crazy and it's crazier now is with all the, with all the social media and everything else that's going on yeah. for these guys to deal with it. I mean, you really, you got to grow up quick, you know, you got to grow up quick and, uh, you know, good for you to, to go that high. How was your first, did you remember anything about your first, your first camp or like your first experiences at that NHL level? 
Um, yeah, like I just remember going there and I was lucky enough to know a few guys. I knew John Tavares a bit and Matt Molson was there and um, Casey Sezikis, who was a Mississauga guy too. We were, we were kind of played against each other in junior. So um, I had a good group of guys there. I mean, I remember my first couple of development camps, they put me with Casey Sezikis and um, we were we were competing so hard in junior then. He's a guy that just absolutely worked for everything he's gotten in the NHL. And I remember being his roommate just made me feel like um, someone I was comfortable with. And um, I feel like the Islanders, even though um, the organization at the time probably wasn't as you know glorified as they, they want to be, there was a lot of just really, really good people there, really good players and, um, and staff that were so down to earth and humble. I mean, I could go through the list of players today that um, helped me in my first few training camps that I still talk to. They all messaged me when my daughter was born. So, I mean, just like lifelong relationships from day one that from guys that were just so down to earth. And I think that was uh, probably one of the biggest things that made everything about my first few training camps, just kind of more easygoing and relaxing. And, um, you know, made me just feel so much more welcome and comfort, comfort there. Where do you put the, uh, I don't know if it's priority is not the right word, but like, as far as feeling comfortable, like what you just said there, I've talked about it here before. I mean, going into a new environment, is is tricky. I mean, there's a lot of things that are involved, right? You don't know, you don't know a lot of things. I mean, so how how the guys make you feel in that environment, I think, is 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 a big deal, and or even how you approach it yourself. I mean, how you how you immerse yourself in that environment. Uh, did that make you feel like you could, you know, you, you had a better chance of whatever playing, performing, be, being being one of those guys one day? Yeah, I, I honestly think the people around you if they if they support you and they're uplifting you and they have your back and you know that I think it's just easier to perform I still think that today I always say that um, you know some of the best coaches might not know what they're talking about the most but if they empower the team and they empower individuals and they bring you together it's so much easier to perform and for the Islanders for me it was it was my teammates that did that I think uh, so many great guys and like I said just role models for me I remember just seeing the way they they carried themselves and at the time they weren't a great team they they really struggled but just the, the, the family-like atmosphere they had, um, the people, they were such good people. They were, they were young parents. They were, they, were, they were always what I aspired to be, all those guys. And I feel like they always helped me out and brought me along. And, um, you know, those are guys and memories that I'm really thankful for even to this day. Well, you mentioned a couple of names. Is there anyone, anyone you'd want to mention and give a shout-out to that you mean, really, really helped you, helped you adjust? I'm trying to think of the guys off the top of my head, but John Tavares, Kyle Ocpozo, Josh Bailey, uh, Matt Martin, Travis Hamannick. I mean, all a lot of the guys, which was huge. They had a ton of Ontario guys, which helped me a lot too. I feel like they kind of stick together and bond together a little bit when you get to those situations. But they weren't that old. They were like young, twenty-year-old guys, and I was an eighteen-year-old kid. And so they weren't really that far apart in age. But I feel like they all kind of they cared and they brought me in, and they were all they all were um, you know part of the core of the team at the time as young guys. So it was really easy for me to you know feel comfortable with those guys and. Even to this day, I, you know, when guys get sent down to the minors or they get called up or as a young guy, I try to always text them or reach out or invite them over just because I remember what that did for me. It was honestly, I remember my mom was worried sick about me at training camp, living in the hotel for weeks and months. And when I told them that a couple of the guys invited me over for dinner. Uh, Matt Molson and his wife cooked, Josh Bailey and his wife cooked dinner for me. And my mom was just so much at ease and she... I probably didn't realize at the time how much it, you know, meant to me, but looking back on it now, it's just how comfortable that makes you feel. And uh, I think that's a huge part of a team and, and a culture. And um, I'm really thankful for those guys. Oh, good for you to learn that. I mean, that is so key. I think that's so key. And, and like that you, that you now do that, right? Like, and that's what it's all about. I think it's that, that relationship aspect because you mentioned it like 24 to 19, 
in in the realm of like the age age bracket doesn't seem like much but in hockey like it's it's half a lifetime i mean it, it really yeah. is you may remember going in there at 20 years old and, and playing my first nhl games and there's you know a 27 year old guy that's been in the league for seven years like he's only seven years older than me but he felt like he was like yeah. my god this guy's been around forever like it just it didn't even seem like the same so you can totally learn from guys and when guys would reach out man it made it made made the life as a young guy much more accepting right like that you belong there you're supposed to be there and um good for you to experience that now you're you're filling that spot for the rangers as a as a you're 27 now yourself 26 yeah. 26 27 this uh this the summer right july yeah. yeah yeah cool um let's go back to the ahl so how, how did how did your first pro games go so i saw that you played in junior and the ahl that one year in bridgeport by the way i played in bridgeport we got to the finals the one year <laughs> when i was there so i know all about that that stadium and that city but uh oh yeah uh, what was that what was that experience like well, that was the lockout year. So that was a really interesting year because the World Juniors ended and then the lockout ended at the same time. So we went to training camp and um, I honestly thought I was going to make the team. At the time in junior, I had like 70 points in like 30 games, just came off the World Juniors. So, I mean, there was really nothing left to do in junior. But with the shortened season, they didn't want to burn a year of my contract. And, they, you know, it's 50-game schedule. I mean, it's a dogfight every day to make the playoffs. So looking back on it, I probably wasn't ready. I mean, I probably thought I was at the time. But um, I went, so I go back to junior and then our season ends there. We didn't have uh, the strongest team that year because the year before we had a championship run. So um, my last year in junior ends and then I go to the AHL and I score. I think I had a goal and assist my first game. I remember my dad drove to Worcester, Connecticut, like eight, or sorry, Worcester, Massachusetts, I think it is, like eight hours. There's like 55 people in the stands, I think on like a Tuesday night. <laughs> and he's there and he see me score my first goal and like one of, in the first period and um it was just it was just I was so happy to be playing pro hockey I didn't really care where it was or whatever and um it was really cool because there were so many guys um in Bridgeport that were I met in the you know the Islanders development camps all that stuff but um it was it was good for me looking back on it but in the time it was also tough because I was the last guy in the top 10 of the draft to play in the NHL I was uh, the last one to get the call so um it, but it, it seemed like it was just uh, a a picture of my whole career though. I feel like never anything I ever got was never given to me. I kind of had the fourth line in junior. I never switched teams in minor hockey, never really got too, too much praise, kind of just stuck with the program. And I feel like it kind of followed me into pro hockey. And um, I don't think it works out perfectly like that for everybody, but I feel like the experiences I had before really helped me just transition to pro hockey and into the American Hockey League. So that first little stint there, you you felt comfortable. You know, you felt like you belonged. You obviously had a great start. You mean goal and assist your first game, but it, it it is a different it's a different beast though. I mean, it's definitely a step up from junior, that's for sure. Yeah, I definitely felt like it's too bad. I think I still think to this day, I think there needs to be a rule for first round picks to get out of junior quicker if they're not ready for the NHL. Because I probably thought I could play in the NHL, but now I'm 26 years old and I see a 19 year old kid come to training camp. And I go there's no way this guy can last the whole year in the NHL. Like I did, I've seen it now. I know how hard it is for myself. And, yeah. Right. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I definitely felt like I belonged in the HL. I, when I got in there, I was playing on the top two lines and um, produced right away. And um, even my first year, when I got to Bridgeport, my first full pro, pro season, I didn't make the team out of camp. They wanted me to go down and really earn my way. And, you know, I was probably pissed about it at the time, but you know, like, like my dad had always harped on, it was just kind of go down there and, you know, just stick with the program and, um playing in Bridgeport was the best thing that ever happened to me I ended up leading the league in scoring when I got called up my first time in the American League as a rookie which is probably pretty rare and um I feel like I was just on fire down there and I was able to kind of you know take small steps to get to where I wanted to be and um, I'm really thankful for that I truly believe that 
Um, there's, you know, there's rare circumstances. You see the guys now, McDavid, Marner, Eichel, these guys that are, they're ready to play. They're, they're bonafide stars from the day they get going. But um, for me, I needed that time. And I think there's no shame in that. I think with the social media, there's so much pressure on, on high draft picks to play in the NHL, but it's honestly like the American hockey league is there for a reason. And um, it's not, it's not a demotion. It's honestly just a part of the process. And um, I know with the salary cap and there's so many different things going on that make it, that guys play early in the NHL, but it's such a beneficial league. And at the time, there were so many good players when I was there that are in the NHL now. I mean, every player around my age, for the most part, played in the AHL. So it's changed a little bit, but it was a, it was a huge stepping stone for me. No, I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot to be learned there. going to take a short break from the interview to remind you that if you are liking what you are hearing, if you enjoy this podcast, please share. Pause right now. Share the podcast. Talk about it on social media. Tell a friend. Uh, go into iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and rate it, review it. Uh, do me a favor and the podcast a favor. Uh, and those who haven't been able to be exposed to it yet, the favor of you sharing so they can get some of this uh, information and some of these conversations that uh, that I know a lot of you are enjoying and a lot of the players out there are benefiting, benefiting from. So please do your part to help grow this thing. I appreciate it. Now we'll get you back to the interview. Uh, even from a gratitude, humble aspect, oh, right? Yeah. Like to Big understand time. what it's like. I mean, it's one phone call away and you're there. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's the league's a good league, as you know. You I mean good for you? I mean that that is super rare. I don't even know, like twenty years old to lead the to lead that league. It's hard to score in that league. So I mean, for you to do that, you definitely earned earned your promotion. But uh, but it's night and day as far as as far as like you know quality of living, the cities, yeah. the towns, how you're traveling, right? I mean, it's uh, that always blew me away. How I could from from one phone call, you could be making sixty grand a year to to you know whatever 400,000 or whatever and flying on private planes and eating eat steak yeah. like it was it's yeah. crazy the difference so I mean to be able to experience that and to know what it's like down there you I, I'm sure that made you more grateful when you when you did get the call 100% and at the time I was honestly just so happy to have my own house uh pay my own rent play pro hockey like I feel like it was a big step for me like maturity wise like it wasn't like I obviously wanted to play in the NHL, but you know, as a lifestyle thing, it was good for me to, you know, buy my own. I went from a billet house where I didn't do anything other than play video games, you know, and hang out. But I went to, you know, manage my bills, you know, do groceries and stuff like that that kind of ease ease me up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still think to this day, not only getting called up, but getting sent down, which happened to me probably I think three or four times, was honestly it's such a reminder of how lucky you are and how and how tough it is to play in the NHL. But not only that, but just how good you're treated in the NHL and how much you don't want to go back to the American league. It's, it's such a motivating factor. And um, I've been sent down a few times, even to this day, I always try to remind myself during the national anthem, just to look around and to see how many people are in the building and where you are. And now it's Madison square garden. And just remember those days of playing in the minors when you're pissed off that you're even there. And um, there's only one way to get back up and that's to play good. And, and that's to, you know, kind of put your head down and work hard. And um, I learned the lesson probably, probably the hard way a few times, you know, probably thinking I was a little more entitled than I was, but, um, you know, it's, I'm, you know, better off for it now. Hey man. Yeah. What a great perspective. Um, cause it's hard, man. It's hard playing someplace you don't want to be. Um, yeah, and to keep a good attitude sure. while you're doing it and seeing other guys, like you say, your peers that you feel that you're better than playing on performing on other NHL teams, 
Um, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I felt all that and it, and it's, and it's tough. I mean, you do have to produce, but it's beyond production too. You got to keep getting better. You got to remind yourself why you're there, right? You're yeah. there because you got to get better. So, um, whatever that is to keep, to keep your eyes on that, on that prize and to try and improve is, uh, is key. And it's hard to do. I mean, you need that support staff. I'm sure, I'm sure you used your dad and your mom through that as well. Uh, what, what, uh, describe that. So you have a really, really good, like when you get called your, your second year was great. Right. And so then you, you come up, you have that great experience in the NHL. You come up, you have a, you're playing the NHL, you're now an NHL and you make the team out of camp. So the first time and you have a really good season that season. Uh, and then kind of, I don't know, I, the wheels fall off. It's probably a little too dramatic, but you go from 17 goals to eight goals that, that, that third season. Like what, mm -hmm. uh, what happened there? Do you think, uh, was, was there an event? Was it just a tough, tough time getting used to it or what was it? I honestly, I don't know to this day. I'm, I'm sure everyone has their own opinion. I think my dad probably has his own opinions too, but I honestly just think it, it, it's hard. I think when you, when you play in the NHL and you have a little bit of success, I mean, it's probably the only time in the world where you're not like naturally progressing just to get better and better each year. I mean, everyone else is trying to do the same thing and it doesn't get any easier. I mean, junior hockey, you kind of get older, the game gets easier, the AHL, you get better. It kind of stays the same. In the NHL, it's like guys are always getting better. And um, I thought I did all the right things in the summer. I came in and um, in training camp, I thought I did fine. And um, I got thrown into a situation where I was playing a lot more uh, prominent minutes. I was playing with better players. And um, right off the start, when it didn't quite click right away, I was going like, okay, like I've never really experienced this in the NHL level now. When I got the previous two years, everything went well in the NHL. Like I was scoring. Um, when we had injuries, I got I got to play more. Everything was great. And then all of a sudden, we have a bit better of a team. And um, I'm expected to take a, a bigger role. And I remember I, I actually didn't think I had too, too bad of a start. And then I got healthy scratch for a game. And I was going like, wow, like I, I got healthy scratch. Like I honestly can't even really believe it. Like, didn't even think I played that bad. Like, I thought I'd been playing okay. And then when I got back in the lineup, then I really didn't play well. I think it was probably mentally I was affected by it. I um, was probably, you know, instead of – putting my head down, which I'd done most of my life, I probably, you know, pointed the finger too much and said, like, I should be playing here. I'm fine. I'm this and that. I did this last year when in the NHL, what you did last year literally does not matter. Like people don't really care. It's what you do for me lately. And, um, and then I got sent down to the minors and that was literally the toughest thing I've ever been through in my life. I remember getting the phone call and my, the GM calling me and kind of talking to me through it. And um, I, I don't necessarily, I still don't think they made the right choice in sending me down. I'll say that. Like I, I've always said that. I think that it, at that point, when I, once I was third on the team and scoring the year before, getting sent down was, wasn't going to do anything for me mentally. If anything, it was just going to knock me down. And, um, but I had to deal with it. And I remember getting the phone call. My girlfriend was in town visiting. I, I just I lost it. I was, I was an emotional wreck. I had to pack up my apartment in Long Island and drive to Bridgeport. I was sitting in a hotel room. And I remember the first few nights were just like, I couldn't sleep. I was just like borderline depressed. Just like I couldn't believe what was happening. And, um, but, but at the end of the day, I, I mean – as pissed as I was to get to sit down, I don't think it was the right decision. I remember getting back on the ice at Bridgeport, and um, the coaches there were so good with me. They're Brent Thompson and uh, Eric Boganicki, who I'm sure you've heard these names, and they just they made me get back to work, it felt like. And um, it's probably a little bit of an easier environment to do that in the American League because you have some leeway. Each game is not you know, as important. You're kind of there for development reasons. And um, I kind of got back to it. I played a couple of my best games I played in pro hockey down there and got called back up. And you know, it wasn't all roses. I still went through ups and downs, but I feel like after that, I kind of got my head on straight and um, I was kind of back on that right path. And, you know, it took me a little bit longer to kind of get, get back to where I wanted to be. 
and you know the the season the year before but I feel like my mindset from then on in was completely different and you know more where it had to be to be su successful no well that's yeah I mean boy there's there's so much right there's so much you got to go through as a pro player and uh, nothing goes according to our plan. That's for sure. Yeah. People throw stuff at you. Uh, you mentioned the healthy scratch and I wasn't, I mean, I, I didn't know you were, but I think that's an interesting scenario. I mean, so like you said, you mentioned you were third in the team in points, which I forgot to mention. I have it written down here, which is amazing in the second year. <laughs> I'm right? not looking to pump my own tires. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's amazing. I'm glad you did. But I mean, but that's like just for the listeners to get it right. You said like, what have you done for me lately? You're third in the team in points as a, as a 21 year old or whatever you were second, second year in the league. And then next year you come back and you're a healthy scratch um, and you're wondering what the hell's going on. And I'm just wondering what that conversation was like, if there even was one, because a lot of times there even isn't, it's just like you show up and you're not in the lineup and then you have to deal with yeah. all that stuff on your own. So it depends on what, who you're dealing with and who the coach is, but what, what was that like? Um, it was, it was interesting. I, you know, I had a, t I had an interesting relationship with those guys. I honestly wish that, uh, the coaches I had that year, I could go back with them now that now that I've matured a lot and I can, you know, do things over again, I'm sure they would probably do some things over again too. But um, the one thing I was always really thankful for, Doug Waite was our assistant coach there. And um, he's just, I don't know if you ever met Doug Waite, but he's the ultimate, like just a guy's guy. And he was, uh, he's so easy to talk to. He's a goofy guy. He's a funny guy. I think he always compared himself to me. And even to this day, he still texts me after I have a good night in New York and he, you know, he congratulates me and he said, I watched your game. I love the way you're playing. And, I think he was able just to sit down with me and, and talk to me more as like a human and um, rather than, you know, I, I hate to use this terminology, but in the NHL, you're honestly a piece of meat. You're, uh, you're, 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 it's all about getting wins. It's a business. You're there for a reason. And um, he was able to kind of talk me through it a little bit. And um, those tough times with the Islanders I had were honestly, I think the best thing for me because I had never experienced the mental, you know, the ups and downs like I had to go through there. I had to stay strong. I had to probably, refocus my uh, my energy into the things that I realized what I needed to be successful I mean you know it wasn't about uh, you know the social media the accolades like uh, who's doing what I had to really just look within and say like what am I doing in the summer like what am I doing to be better am I doing the right things am I staying on the right track am I do I have a narrow focus and I think you know all those tough times I uh, I'm really thankful for I mean it took a long time to learn that lesson and a lot harder than than I thought but that's the only way to do it. I mean, there's no script on how it's going to go and everyone goes through a different, uh, you know, different, you know, path in their career. No doubt. I, I listened to you talk there. I think that's part of being a professional because when, as a minor hockey guy growing up or even in junior, right. I mean, we're, we're kind of, I don't know what the right word is gifted, right? So we go about our business. We know we're working hard and, we're, and we got our kind of nose to, to it, but we haven't really figured out the process yet. And, and you start, you, you talk there about like what it is you're doing, how does your summer work? And I, the, the term I use for that is, is being consciously competent, right? To, to actually understand how to be the best that you can be because yeah. you need to. Right. And I think that's, I mean, that's a maturity factor. It's also part of your environment. I mean, who you're watching with, who you're exposed to on, on those teams. Um, but do you find that like that's where you've sort of where, where you felt that you now feel like you are an NHLer? you've earned this that you know how to be the best Ryan can be um I think that's definitely one of the reasons I've I've been so lucky I lived with John Tavares for a few years when I was in the Islanders and I mean his work ethic no one no one works harder than him I mean 24 7 whatever he does is for his body for hockey to be better and to learn that right away was so big for me and um, I, but I honestly think one of the biggest things that it, it may sound so silly, but um, 
I honestly think I was focusing on kind of the wrong things. I think I, I think now I, the last few years I've started to work with Adam Oates and I've, I've tried to do different things. And I, I think I was maybe too worried about the strength stuff and, and working out in the gym. And like, I'm, I was never going to be a strong, big guy. Like that was never what I was going to be. And I think on the Islanders, they always thought that I needed to work hard in the summer in the gym. And I focus on that, but like, that's not what got me to where I was. And that wasn't my game. And that wasn't, you know, who I am. And, you know, once I got to Edmonton, I played a different role. I got to go back at center. And, you know, there's so many things that go into, into having success. I mean, there's the, 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 the toughest part about being a hockey player is that there's so much variability. I mean, my dad, he, sometimes he's had to learn this too. He says, you know, you didn't play well, this and that. I go, well, dad, there's, 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 there's four other guys in our team on the ice at once. There's the coach putting in the situation to succeed. There's the puck bouncing God knows which way. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. And I feel like I just had to train my focus into what got me to where I was, my, my smarts, my skill, uh, reading the play. And I feel like I got away from that a little bit. And, um, and, and I feel like once I refocused everything, I, I, I kind of just felt way better out there. I felt more confident and I felt uh, more like myself and, and the coaches that I've got to play with the last few years have put me in a position to succeed. No, that's amazing. And you talk about those programs, right? So uh, uh, the Islanders or the Oilers or whoever you're with, they'll give everyone pretty much a stock program and go and yeah. do this and get ready for your testing in camp. And I know things have evolved and it's a little bit more personalized, but it's still not that personalized. You I mean, what, what mm -hmm. does Ryan need to do that's different than what Mika needs to do or, yeah. or whoever, right? And, and there is going to be a, a variability there. Uh, I'm glad you talked about that. And I'm also excited you talked about Adam Oates. Do you mind talking about that relationship at all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool, because yeah, I know that he's yeah, been doing a, working a lot with individual guys throughout the league. Um, he's gotten quite a bit of uh, press from it. And uh, what's what does he how, what is working like working with him look like for you? Well, I started working with him two seasons ago. So, um, well, both years I've worked with him, I had career highs and goals and points. So, I mean, I don't want to give him all the credit, but I mean, I think just I realized that I, I was watching I was watching a hockey game and I was just thinking like, well, what am I worried about? Like what what like what makes me good? Like what do I need to do to get where these guys are? Like what's got me to the point where I'm at? You know, in my career, you've been the same player. And um, when I talked around the league, I heard some guys, you know, there's Daryl Belfry, the name, Adam Oates is the name, the guys work with. I mean, there's a ton of skill guys. So when I talked to him on the phone, he's got such a he's a very, very strong minded person. He's got these he's got these crazy opinions and um, I just said, you know what, I think I need somebody other than the team strength coach, the team, the, the, the coach, the head coach of a team or my dad, I feel like, you know, I need someone that just thinks differently and maybe has, as an ex player and a hall of famer and everything that he's done in his career that it might've helped me. And from the, from the second I got on the ice with them, I think, um, some of his ideas didn't make much sense, but as we've progressed the last two years, I see what he, where he was trying to go with it and what he's trying to do. It's like. Um, it's really opened my mind up to what I need to do to play the game to be successful. And um, I think during my career, the biggest thing for me, I've always known that when I have the puck on my stick, I've always felt like I can play the game with, you know, the top guys in the league. I think I can make plays and I can be an above average player. I can, I can make a living here, but I, I was having trouble getting the puck and I was playing wing and I was up and down the lineup doing all these different things. And I think with him, he's focused on how do you get the puck? Where are you successful when you have the puck? How are you getting it? Where are your line mates? And I think just things like that have opened up my mind and, um, you know, mix that in with playing with great players. And it's been, uh, it's been awesome. It is awesome. So most of the stuff you do with him then is on ice. It's not, it's not off ice, uh, like phone calls or texts or anything like that. 
Well, it's, it's kind of a unique relationship because obviously we can't skate with him during the season. So he travels around city to city. And luckily enough, Toronto is one of his hotspots. So I come to Toronto and he comes to Toronto, sorry. And we go on the ice as many times as you want with him. And he does all these crazy drills. You're doing these puck protection stuff, skating stuff, shooting stuff. And um, at first you're kind of going like, this guy's got like some pretty, you know, strong opinions. Like what's he kind of talking about here? And then, you know, as you skate with him four five, six, seven times, then you, you, you know, you progress week by week and you start to see what he's trying to implement. And then, during the season, he's it's amazing. He sends you probably like five, six minutes of clips after each game. And sometimes he does a voiceover, sometimes he doesn't. And he kind of tells you what he's looking at, what he sees and what he notices. And um, the first couple of times I'm going like, okay, like I, I see what you want. And now I can watch a clip without his voiceover. I know exactly what he's going to say. I know what he, where he thinks I should be. And, you know, some of it's, you know, not quite in the team concept. So you have to kind of mesh them together and stuff like that. But um, he wants me to get the fuck on my stick and he, I realized this year where I'm successful when I have it. I think he's opened my mind to be able to do that a lot more than I was ever able to on my own. And um, you know, It's easy to watch a hockey game and follow the puck around, but um, I think what he does is he exploits the best players and where they do and what they're doing without the puck and um, how to get in those good positions. And that's what's helped right. me a lot. No, I think that's great. I mean, I think that's the way the game's going. I mean, like a personalized, individualized support system. And there's going to be some head coaches out there in the NHL that are probably going to be disagreeing because I know that sometimes, like you said, sometimes what, what this, your guy's saying isn't what they're saying, right? And they're thinking yeah. about the collective of the 25 guys in the New York Rangers. And Adam's really just got your back. And all he really cares about is what, what you do. So um, I can understand why there is a little bit of dissension sometimes, but, uh, but as long as you're smart and you're, you're conscious of the fact of, hey, how, how do I make this work within the team system? Um, you know, it is nice to have that guy on the other end of the phone that just cares about you, like 100%, right? Yeah, for sure. I think, and honestly, like, listen, it, it, it's tough. I mean, you listen to your head coach, who's more like an X of the nose guy, then you listen to your dad, and my dad's very like, well, you know, you got to listen to the coach, whatever. But now you have a guy that's saying, like, you need the puck on your stick. You got to have the puck. You got to be dancing and. Yeah, it's a bit out there, but maybe that's what I needed to, you know, open my mind up to things. So, um, yeah, I'm honestly really thankful for the relationship we have. I mean, um, I know he works with a lot of guys and, and stuff like that, but I just feel like what he's trying to preach and the way I play the game and the way my vision is and um, what's, like I keep saying, what's got me to where I got, I think he was able to kind of, you know, expand that and um, help me, you know, find that again a little bit. Oh, that's great. I mean, and I think we talked a little bit before, and that's that's what I'm doing for guys at the amateur level right now is, you know, more the mindset side, but how do you tie the mindset side into the hockey side? You know, it sounds like a little bit what Adam's doing, right? He's making you look at it from a different perspective. A yeah. little two millimeter shift can do can do a lot for you. So no, that, that's super cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I definitely want to touch on the trade, the first one, the first one. So now here you are. Um, I'll just give you a little backstory how I can relate to that because I was drafted by Florida and then had the same sort of experience, right? Doing the camps, uh, being the last cut from Florida, you know, playing in the minors, getting called up, getting my NHL games there. I knew the coaches, I knew the players, I knew the veterans, like everything was kind of comfy, right? And, I, and from my experience in junior playing four years in Spokane, I thought I was going to retire a Panther, right? Like that's just yeah. naive or whatever you call it, but that's just what I thought. And then I'll, and I'm asleep in the minors in, uh, in uh, North Carolina, where was I? Doesn't matter. Can't remember right now. But get a phone call, traded to the Leafs, right? So get traded to Toronto. Don't know anybody there. No one. And it was such a different ordeal to deal with that, just not even on a hockey level. So you have something similar because you get traded to a different conference, right? You're out west. Um, there, it's completely different. A big name as well. I got traded for Muller. You get traded for Eberle. He hasn't scored less than 20 goals in four years. 
what, how does that work in the middle of June um, and you get dealt? What, what, what was going on? Uh, it was crazy. Um, the craziest part about it was I was on the way to Chicago to watch my brother get drafted. So like all this is happening. I'm going to Chicago. Finally, it's like a hockey event for my brother. And then here we are. I get traded the day before the draft starts. So then there's me. There's a, a little bit about me too. It's kind of crazy, right? But um, honestly, I kind of knew a trade was coming. I think that it ran its course with the Islanders, I think. Um, I finished the year off pretty strong. Unfortunately, I broke my wrist and Doug Wade took over. I was playing well. I was feeling good. But I knew the Islanders were ready to take the next step, and I knew they had a bunch of young guys that were probably trade chips. I was probably the most likely one. I hadn't quite performed as good as the other guys, and um, I knew that. I wasn't naive to that, and I kind of wanted a fresh start too. I think, you know, everything runs its course. And, um, and then I get traded to Edmonton, and um, I honestly love my time at Edmonton. I, I, I love I playing there. I love the coaching staff we had there. It was great. I mean, I got to play with Connor, who was unbelievable, McDavid, obviously, and Leon. And um, Unfortunately, though, um, I think for my situation – I was never going to live up to Jordan Eberle. And I think it was kind of a salary cap trade. I made half as much as he did, um, but I was never going to perform the same way. He was like a legend for them. And um, I kind of went there and I played mostly on the third line and it was never going to be, I feel like I was in the eyes of the fans and the people I was never going to live up to what he did. And that was, that was kind of tough for me to deal with, but um, the team just didn't have the success at the end of the day. We didn't perform that year. We had a really tough year. So you compile all those things together and then, to start the next season, I signed a new contract because I had, I had a pretty good finish to the year, actually. I find I gained some traction, and I signed a two-year deal in the summer. And then the next season opens up, and I start the year with, I think I had a goal and assist in, like, 20 games with Edmonton. And the craziest part about it was, even to this day, my dad will say, my dad flew up to Edmonton a few times, watching me play with my mom and whatever. And um, I was playing okay. Like, I wasn't playing bad. I just couldn't score. I could not, I could not find the score sheet or whatever. And um sure enough I get traded and that one was kind of out of the blue I feel like that one was tough for me to to handle because I feel like I had done everything they asked I was playing playing in the bottom six I was playing center I was playing on the penalty kill I was trying to embrace the rule I was trying to do whatever I could to to adapt to the team and then sure enough get traded again and that one was tough we're in Edmonton you get traded back to New York so it's just across country again it's the middle of the season at this point um my fiance is living with me she's got a job in Edmonton so it's just like all these different components, right? So um, getting traded in hockey is the, the craziest thing of all time. It, you feel like, like you said, you're, you're in a situation where you're beyond comfortable. And then in the blink of an eye, what, a minute and a half phone call with the GM, you're no longer anything to do with the Florida Panthers or the New York Islanders. It's like, it's, 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 it's the craziest experience of all time. Yeah. It's so wild. And uh, I don't think it gets talked about enough. I mean, I don't know where I guess you would talk about it, but just from like, you mentioned earlier that you're a piece of meat, like, but there's like a person behind the player, right? And oh, yeah. that person has to deal with all this stuff and, and all the all the social consequences and all the real life scenarios of leaving a house and packing a bag and, you know, trying to create new relationships and meet the players and establish establish who you are with the coaches. And it's just a new city. Like it just goes on and on and on. Um, the trade in June was obviously easier, I would assume, on the level that at least you can get there set up for camp, you know what's going on. Uh, Mid-season trade is way different, as you know. Um, but my gosh, what a gift, it seems like. Um, you know, you, you landed in New York, and it just seems like it's just been awesome ever since. Um, I, I do want to touch on New York, but I do want to talk about Connor and Leon and that environment there. I mean, to... Now you've played with Tavares. Now you're going, you're playing with McDavid and you're playing with Dreisaitl and you're, you're getting surrounded by some of the best players in, in the world of, of your generation. What, uh, anything to learn, anything to share from, from being around those guys? Like, well, what, what are they, what are they like? 
I've been, I've been so lucky every time I do an interview and they ask about, you know, some of my experience or whatever, I always say like, how many guys get to say that they've played with the, the amount of talent that I've got to play with. So I'm really, really lucky. And not to mention, I'm great friends with all those guys. They're fantastic human beings. They have great families They're good people. And um, the, the one thing that sticks out to me, everyone sees the, the skill, the points, the goals, the success, but all those guys you've mentioned, the three guys, their work ethic and practice is like no one else I've seen. Like Tavares, every loose puck, even if it's the middle of the summer, like everything matters. McDavid wants to win any single time he's on the ice. He wants to, he wants to prove to everyone he's the best player to ever live. And that's, I think, deep down. I don't know if he'll ever say that, but I think that's, that looks like his mindset every time he's on the ice. And Drysaddle's got more skill than anyone. Just the passing on his backhand, his forehand, his size, his shot. He can literally do everything. He takes face-offs. He plays plays on the three versus five penalty kill. Like how many guys really do that in the league that have a hundred points anymore. And um, I've been so lucky to play with those guys and learn from them. And, and it's crazy because Connor and Leon are younger than me, but you still learn from those guys, how good they are and how talented they are. So um, I've been really, really fortunate. And now in New York, I have, you know, guys like Zabinajad and Panarin who have just, you know, taken off lately. So I've been, I've been extremely lucky. And, um, but the common denominator is they kind of, they kind of, all those guys, it's crazy. They're not out in the media too much. They're all pretty quiet guys and they, they take, they just go about their business and they work hard and they get it done. And it's a, you know, lesson I've definitely learned from those guys and something I try to, you know, emulate every day. Well, I think uh, uh, judging by what you're saying, like there is a, they, they get so glorified, especially by the youngsters and, and even by the fans, right. That you just think these guys are pedestal guys, right. They're just, yeah. they're just better than everybody. But anytime you have a conversation with somebody that's been around them, that does a little research, it's like they're built just as much as anybody else. Like they go about things differently. Like they, they, they do do the little things. They do go to work. You know, they, they are a pro at all times. Like you said earlier, Tavares, 24-7, it's about hockey. You know I mean, like sometimes those guys have a, just a greater commitment than everybody else do. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Those guys are naturally gifted. They have the talent. They could, I'm sure they could take, take a – you know, take a few steps back and they'd still be great, but they, they want to be the best. And all those guys, like I know Leon and Connor, like I honestly think the reason why Edmonton's going to have some success and why those they had a great year this year is because I think deep down they try to beat each other and they, they, they try to compete with each other. And um, obviously they use each other. You see the chemistry they have, but they want to be the best player in the game, every, every game. And that's what, that's what good players do. They, uh, you know, for good players, I feel like they have, I mean, I just finished watching the Michael Jordan documentary and, it's amazing because I see so much of what he kind of does with those guys. I feel like, especially with Connor, like he kind of challenged himself the game within the game. Like, what can he do tonight to like, like how many is he going to get tonight? Honestly, it's like, it's like, when's he going to score? What's he going to do? And I feel like they challenge themselves on such a different level than, than, you know, average or, you know, lesser players, but that's what makes them great. And, uh, you know, it, it's special to see that live. And I've been really lucky. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And obviously they do have, I mean, it's talents through the roof, but I, I do think the mindset, the talent of the mindset is through the roof too. With a lot of these guys, like they, they, they yeah. find a way just to be great all the time. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to, to the Rangers now. So present day, you are crushing it. David Quinn comes in, you get traded there. Um, young team. And it's, and it just seems to work. I mean, you know, I, I didn't mention it live yet on the recording, but Dave Oliver set us up and, and what he said was, you got to talk to Ryan. He's a character guy. Like, what does is, what does that even mean? Like, for, for an assistant coach to say, hey, talk to this guy. He's a character guy. And, and how does that character guy, meaning you, fit into this new environment and just seem to do so well? It's honestly been the, the biggest, like, thing in my career getting traded to the Rangers, I think. And the funny thing is, is that 
it wasn't all roses at the start. Like I was playing on the third, fourth line. Like I had to, it was like similar to my whole life. It seemed like it just happened a little bit quicker, but I had to earn my stripes. I got traded there. They had a bunch of good centermen. I remember getting traded. I look at their forward group. I'm like, holy shit, I don't even know if I'm going to play. Like, like, where am I going to fit in here? Like, I'm not playing great at Edmonton. Like, but they're, they're choosing to bring me in. They see something in me that I know they had talked to Doug Waite and Doug Waite had pumped me up a little bit. And I kind of went in there. I was playing on the wing. I just bided my time. And um, I remember Kevin Hayes got hurt kind of before the trade deadline last year. He was playing really well. And um, I got a shot at center. I was playing on the fourth line one night in Calgary, uh, Colorado, and I had a real good game. We had went down to like 11 forwards and I got a lot of ice time. I played well. And I remember the next day they said, no, you're going to get a shot. Like, we're going to give you a shot here to play in the middle. I think you're a natural centerman. Um, and then I just took the took the ball and ran with it. I think from there, I never looked back. And um, obviously, there's ups and downs. I mean, there's stretches in a game or a five-game segment where you're not great. But, you know, all in all, I just feel like the coaching staff and the organization empowered me there. It's uh, I, I say this to my dad. It's amazing how, you know, different you're looked at when you're on a different team. I mean, if you would have told me five years ago in the Islanders that I would have been playing first penalty kill, uh, playing center, I would be matched up against – top players every night uh i'd be i'd be looked upon as a leader um i'd be you know helping out young guys i'd be in leadership meetings with the coaches like we would honestly laugh at you because you know you're looked at when you get drafted you're an 18 year old kid and they kind of i feel like it's hard to break that mold and i couldn't really break it and then you get to edmonton and you're kind of in Everly shadow a little bit and the team doesn't do well and then you go to the rangers and you start playing well and it's like you kind of gain some traction and um, the coaches put you in a position to succeed and they believe in you and you perform. I mean, it takes two to tango. I mean, you can't just be put there and you don't do well. You got to play too. So um, it's honestly been a, you know, match made in heaven so far. And the biggest thing is a coaching staff that believes in me. And it, it's funny that, you know, coaches, when they come up to me in the morning, they'll, call, they'll pull you into their office and say, what do you think about the team today? Like the practice, like, what are you seeing? Like, what do you, I'm going like three years ago, like there's no way in hell the coaches ever would have put this trust in me, but here you are. I had, I think I had the fourth or fifth most games played on the, on the team last year. So I have more experience than a lot of guys and I've been through the ups and downs. I've been sent down to the minors. I've played everywhere. So, you know, there's a lot to learn from that. And I think that, you know, they were able to see that and, and, and harness it and embrace it and um, thrust me into the position to succeed. And uh, honestly, I, I, I don't think they saved my career because I truly, I think that I've been able to adapt and I could have played a different role, but they've definitely propelled it to a, uh, you know, I played top six this entire year, and I didn't get to play top six as a center iceman in the previous six years of my NHL career. So here we are. So invaluable, like that trust. You I mean you're saying it without saying it, right? I mean that you you gained the trust of of Quinn and the, and the coaching staff, but now you have their trust too, right? And when when that for comes sure. together, like boy, that's that's powerful for a player. Like you said, you're not worried about necessarily making mistakes. You're worried about going there and contributing, right? Because you you feel yeah. like you got a spot, and, you, and these guys got your back, and that's a comfortable place to play. And it seems like you're you're an amazing spot. Not to mention your contract's up this year too, correct? Yeah, contracts up this year. Yeah, yeah so kind of just you. sitting that's and waiting, awesome. and it was a good time to have a good year for my. Yeah, for well, back to back uh, years, man. Like that's yeah, that's amazing. Back, that contract yeah, you so. signed with the Oilers really turned into you know a good one for the Rangers, yeah. and and now I'm sure you're going to get paid uh, paid accordingly. Uh, there, there was a Ollie sent me a clip. Uh, the Rangers do something fun every year with the mums trip, and uh, and I, and I saw your mom doing the, doing the starting lineup there in the room, and. I think she I think she had a couple game win streak there or something she got to do it twice can you maybe talk yeah. about that and how special that was for her and for you yeah like I think honestly her being in the dressing room and reading the starting lineup just summarizes like the way things have gone for me with the Rangers I think 
I've been able to be myself, have a fun personality. I, I honestly, I love coming to the rink and goofing around. Like I, like it's my favorite thing in the world to do is come see the boys every day. And, um, you know, sometimes I know there's a time to be serious, but you need a guy that has some character in the dressing room and, um, isn't afraid to say something dumb sometimes or, or, or call somebody out or chirp the coach and, you know, just make light of the things. And, you know, it's easy to do that when, uh, you know, when things are going well. And I think that that's kind of been the case for me. And, I think, uh, you know, my dad said too, he goes, he goes, he goes, you know, coach Quinn asked your mom to read the starting lineup. Like, like that's how far you've kind of come in this organization already. Like they, you know, you're, you're a part of it. And it, it's amazing. It's just all you want as a player is to be a part of something. You want to, you want to feel like you're, you're, you're loved and you're, you're needed and you're trusted. And um, I mean, having my mom come in the dressing room, I, I say this, I've said this before. I honestly think I lost five pounds in sweat just just so nervous what she was going to say and she comes in she gives me a kiss in the cheek and I'm going like these are two worlds colliding right now that I never thought would collide so um but honestly it's it, it, it's uh you know going through things like this I mean for me it's whatever I mean it's great I mean my mom was there whatever but for my mom just I mean what she's done behind the scenes for us for so many years and for her to like you know have her 10 seconds of fame or whatever and be a social media everyone going nuts about it and her friends calling her like it means the world to her. And I mean, I didn't even get to give, I directly didn't give her that gift, but um, having the Rangers be able to do that for her, I know was honestly one of the coolest things that me and her will have as a connection forever. Oh, I can totally hear you with the, uh, with the nerves and like, what's oh. she going to say? And you know, this is your mom in front of all your peers and your boys and uh, yeah. the anxiety must've been through the roof, but uh, boy, that was a special little run. You guys were, were, were on and generating there. It was really cool to watch you and, and to follow where, uh, who were you? Were you with Panarin? I checked the lineup cards and it seemed like you were kind of with Panarin there at the end. Was that mostly like in the second half who you were playing with? Um, so probably after the first 10 games, I was with Panarin for the, mo the rest of the year. So I started the year with a few other guys. I wasn't playing great. Went down to the third line for a game. Had a really good game. Kind of gained some traction again. The coaches probably knew that they needed me to be that guy in the second line. And then, uh, then Mika Zabinijai got hurt and he was out for like 14 games. So then here we are, like two years removed from me being traded twice, and I'm playing first line every night for 14, 14 games, like which is basically like a month. So I'm going like, holy, how things have changed. So I've never seen myself on the first line center since I've been in junior. Yeah. And I'm coming to the rink every day, and you're playing against Bergeron. You're going to Nashville. You're getting, you know, Yossi as a matchup. And, and that's I think I grew more in those 14 games than I had in my other 400 games in my career. So our team ended up having, I think we were 8-4-2 and two in those games or something like that. And we had a really good run and we played well. And I, 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 I held my ground. I was, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't sinking. I was treading water. I was doing fine. I was getting the team where we needed to be. And, you know, as a centerman in the NHL, especially first line, there's a lot of responsibility on you. And where our best player was hurt and it, it was tough. So I remember one game, actually, I took a stupid penalty and uh, I know coach Quinn wanted to just read me out, but the assistant coaches, I saw them go calm them down and they call me in the next day. They go, we know that you're getting everything you got for this team right now and you're doing everything you can. So like, we'll let that one slide type thing. We, uh, we know how, how, how well you've done and just hearing them say that and like hearing the, you know, the, the faith they had in me and, and how happy they were with what I had done was something that I hadn't really had in my career. It always been like, Oh, we see more out of you and not in no game to game span because obviously you have good games, bad games, but, through a span of 14 games when you constantly like take the team and you feel like you're doing your job and not only doing your job, but you're stepping into a role that no one thought you could ever fulfill um, was, was such a good feeling for me. And um, honestly, just a huge confidence boost. And at the same time, a, a huge 
kind of, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but just a slap in the face, all the naysayers and the people that didn't think I could do it. And um, I finally had gotten my opportunity and got the chance to take the torch and run with it. And I did it. And um, I think from there on the season, just everything kept snowballing and it was great. That's awesome. Well, did you approach the game any differently when you were like mentally, when you were, when you were on, on the first line there, was it, uh, did you have like a little coming to Jesus moment saying, Hey, here's a big opportunity. Let's, let's get her done. I honestly don't think there was time for that. It was, it was, he got hurt in the middle of a game against Boston. So it was in the first period, I'm pretty sure. And then after that, I'm playing Berger on the whole game and Chara and McAvoy and all these guys. So it's like, <laughs> there's no time to think about it. Right. So honestly, the biggest change for me was just the physical preparation. Like you're playing 20 plus minutes a game. You gotta, you gotta get your sleep. You gotta be ready to go. Like there's no, uh, there's no nights off. There's no getting through games. It was like, you gotta be here and you gotta, you know, be present. And, I remember one game we played 27 minutes in Florida one night and I was like, I, I, my dad called me after the game. He's like, can you believe that? Like you played 27 minutes in a game in Florida tonight. Like that is absurd. Like who would ever thought, like, I don't think I had played over 20 minutes. I know my career average going into this year, I think was 15 minutes my time on ice. And this year, I think my average was like 19 minutes. And yeah. like, that just says it all. I think I, I've come such a long way as a person, as a player. I think I've, I've been through such downs and highs in my career probably not as big as I make them out to be, but when you're living it every day, it feels like it's so high and so yeah. low. And then to persevere from that and to, you know, be like, I would never have dreamed in a million years when I was drafted, I'd be a penalty killer in the NHL. And here I am playing first penalty kill and, and I'm out there, you know, taking, taking defensive face off sometimes. So it's just maybe the, the, the bad times have been what's propelled me and what's kind of made me an all around player and a better player. But um, honestly, the path to success that I had this year, feels so good after being what I've been through and um, it, it honestly just makes me smile thinking about it because it's been so challenging mentally at times seeing other guys succeed I mean not quite being able to get there for whatever reason but to have a year like I did this year feels really good oh good for you no I'm smiling just listening to you because it's such an awesome uh, route and to and to feel comfortable in a place that's rewarding and you guys are having success together as a team and uh, not to mention like you know it takes two to tango, as you said, and Panarin's having a career year. He's my pick for MVP. Um, Me too. You know, yeah, plus 30, plus 40, whatever he is, you know, like yeah. really leading the charge there. And with you on, on his side, obviously, I mean, that chemistry is working. It's just, it's just awesome to watch. And I, I love when that comes together. And sometimes you don't know when it's going to come together or why it comes together. But, um, but it is for you and it is for you guys wearing the blue shirts and it's, and it's fun to watch, which um, – maybe just brings us maybe to, to present day. Like what, what does the end of the season look like? What are they telling you? How does this thing going to get back started again? Well, we actually have a call tonight. So probably, it's probably too bad we didn't do this tomorrow. I could have had some more information, but uh, no, I think, uh, I think it's looking like a, some sort of a 2014 format or something like that. We'll go get, get to go back and play. And I think for us, honestly, we just need, we need to keep this thing going because, the Rangers had a bit of a magical year going. I mean, I know it wasn't, uh, it wasn't all roses at the beginning of the year. We're kind of treading water 500, but I think we had the second best record since January and no one expected this. I remember listening to a podcast earlier in the season and it's like a preseason prediction that people go, Oh, we don't think we're quite there yet, but you know, we beat everyone we needed to beat. We had some magical overtime wins. We had, we've had guys play way above what anyone expected myself being one of those guys. And, it's just a, it's a bit of a feel good story. And when a team gets that, you know, that, uh, that magical feeling behind them, anything can happen. And I think, uh, I think we just kind of want to finish it off. I mean, who knows what'll happen. We could lose the first round. I mean, like no one knows, like, obviously we don't want that. We want to go all the way, but we just want a chance to, you know, finish what we started here because the team and the groups come such a long way and the coaches 
constantly tried to put the belief system into us. I know that's a term that gets thrown around a lot, but they were the ones that truly kept saying, like, we believe in you guys. We believe where this team can go. And when we started winning more games and more games got on a run, we started believing in ourselves. And um, like I said, anything can happen when that happens. So it's been, uh, it's been a special year. No, for sure. And so you are expecting to play like that was the one, like there was some other ideas thrown around that maybe it's just going to start with whoever's in the playoffs now, present day, which would have broke my heart for teams like you that were you know, really coming and making that charge. Looks like yeah. you're probably going to get a chance to have a play in or something. Is, is that what your expectation is at this point? Yeah, that's what we've been told. I mean, there's not a ton of information. I mean, the crazy thing about today's world is what you see online is probably the exact same thing that we see. Right. So, um, yeah, that's what we heard. We were going to get a chance to do it. And I think it's fair because, you know, like I said, the second best record, I believe, since January. And we've beaten all the good teams. And um, obviously, we have our growing pains. We have a young team and we're trying to get to, you know, it's a process. But um, we've done everything we need to do to earn the chance to at least have a play in to see if we get into the playoffs. And then whatever happens, happens. Right. I think we're a team that's exciting to watch. We, uh, we got young guys. We've got some veterans. We've got uh, we can score with the best teams in the league, and we've learned to play defense the last, you know, 30, 40 games. So um, anything can happen, and uh, it's been a great year. It's been uh, – it really makes me smile. It makes me happy thinking about uh, how far I've come and how our team's come along this year. And, um, you know, the challenge is going to obviously to be keep it going forward. But, uh, you know, it's nice to have this little break and maybe look back at the hard work and uh, hopefully be able to get back to it soon. No, of course. I'll throw one thing in here because I know you, you're keeping track of it, but it seems like Dylan's, Dylan's reached that 20 goal mark in a season and you haven't. So you're at 18. Yeah. Hopefully you get a couple more and you can, you can bust that cherry. That would be amazing. And then you can have bragging rights again in the house. I'm sure he holds that over you right now. <laughs> yeah, we definitely, uh, we try not to get too personal because I know how it uh, really stings deep down. But uh, yeah, last year I finished with 19. I scored the 19th in overtime in the 82nd game. And I was like, I was thrilled to score the overtime winner, but I was just like, oh man, like couldn't get it. And then the last game, it ended up being against uh, Colorado, which is looking like our last regular season game. But uh, I, I honestly should have had five goals. Like, I don't know how I wasn't scoring. It was ridiculous. People were killing me on my Twitter, but, uh, but it was all good. So yeah, you know, it's lingering over my head. That's been a goal of mine, but uh, listen, there's a, I still think my best hockey's ahead of me, so we'll see what happens. Oh, good for you, good for you. Um, all right, well, well, we'll leave this alone. Maybe if there's one thing, if you wouldn't mind sharing, like I said, most of most of my listeners are are parents, uh, hockey parents, or or players themselves that are trying to get someplace. Any any last advice that you would that you would give these guys that wanna one day wear wear the blue shirt like you are? It's it's tough to sum it up into one thing. I mean, it's a question that people ask me all the time: What do I need to do, or what do I don't need to do? But I think honestly, the biggest thing is you can't worry about what other people are doing. I think if you surround yourself with the right team and the right people, I mean, I know kids have agents and all that stuff, but if you have a team that truly believes in you and you're, you're doing the right thing and you, you stick with what you truly believe is the right thing at all times, I think it's so easy to get caught up in some of the BS and um, what other people are doing. It's a big competition almost, you know, skating schools, this, this and that. But if you truly believe what you're doing and you just stick with the process, every single player has a different career path. I mean, Artemi Panarin, you just said, should be nominated for the Hart Trophy. And in my opinion, he's right up there. If not, should win it. And he was never drafted the NHL. Like, think about how crazy that is. He was never drafted the NHL. And he, he had, he's basically a 100-point guy. So, I mean, everyone is a different path. Uh, guys playing the minors. Guys playing the East Coast League. Um, just stick with what you believe in. Work hard. Don't worry about what's around you. Honestly, the biggest thing, though, that I've come to, come to realize through the ups and downs is if you don't enjoy what you're doing every day, if you don't even enjoy the downs and the challenges, um, it's not worth it. And I, I read a great book. It was The Obstacle is the Way. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've, uh, I've realized. And 
um, you know, something that I, I try to stick with me every day. I know it's hard to do it. I, I still get down on myself at times too, but um, you just got to keep going. And um, when you get to where you, like I have, I have this year and um, played as well as I have, or you get where you want to go, you achieve a goal. It, it makes it feel even that much better. So just keep going and, uh, and enjoy, enjoy the ride. I love that title of that book. The obstacle is the way we, we, we want so badly, especially for our kids to have them avoid adversity, right? We want to clear this path and make it easy, but I mean, that, that's where you learn and that's where the growth is. And that's where, where you really find out about yourself. So it's hard to embrace that. I mean, I love that. I mean, that's the, every time, everything you mentioned here in this is, of course you love where you're at, but it's those steps to get where you're at. Right. And without those downs, like you wouldn't have been able to grow. So I think, uh, probably makes you the leader you are today and that great example for these younger guys in the room and why you've earned the uh, the coach's trust. And now you have another uh, little person to lead in baby Harper. So um, I want to <laughs> congratulate too. you on her again and, and, and your time and how gracious you were with it and how generous you were. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you guys when you, when you get back on the ice. Thank you so much. This has been, uh, this has been good to relive a lot of these memories. I haven't talked about a lot of these things for a long time. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thank you so much for listening to episode 18 with Ryan Strom. Boy, he was just hard not to like, uh, wasn't he? It's just such an approachable guy, such a transparent guy, such a sharing guy. Uh, he seems like somebody that can be at your dinner table with a beer and you just fit right in. And, and uh, I think that's a testament to how he spoke about his family and how it's a blue collar scenario, an environment that he grew up in. And it took everyone for... Uh, all of his surrounding family to an extended family to make his dream happen and to help his brother's dream happen and and even the adversity that he's faced the trades that he's faced being in the minors his journey to the spot he is today I think really crystallizes why he's become such a great leader and why he is that guy that you think that you can have at your dining room table uh, because he's been through it right he's been through it he's real um, the journey is real and what he's accomplished is real. And you can be really comfortable in your own skin when you know you've done it the right way, when you've had to work for everything that you've gotten and, uh, and it wasn't given to you. So uh, lots of amazing lessons today. Uh, really appreciate your time, Ryan. If you listen to this, I wish you nothing but the best. It was awesome to, uh, to share an hour and a half with you and to hear about what it took you to get to where you are today and for you to be able to share that with our listeners is amazing. So everybody, there's lots to learn from this one. Um, I hope you liked it as much as I do. And until next time, play hard with your head up. Cheers.